talking about in the greatest of these is love. So very appropriate that we are talking about love today and that we are um, ending on this. So this will be the final message in this series, but the greatest of these is. I will try and be sensitive to the spirit because I know you all are just anxious to get to that business meeting after the service today. Um, but we need to do God's business first here this morning with this. Amen. First Corinthians 13 is where we have been. Um, and this is the final series with this today. Quote, My life and my family's life have been ruined. The psychological devastation is indescribable. Our lives are a nightmare. We have lost our lives and our livelihood. Heartless and cruel, chillingly systematic. Every time he cast a check, he killed a dream. Violation of trust. These are just some quotes from people who lost everything in the Bernie Madoff financial scandal about eight years ago. Some of you may remember that individual. Madoff was a stockbroker, an investment advisor, and a financier. He's also the self-admitted operator of what is considered the largest financial fraud in U.S. history. Defrauding and destroying the lives of multiple individuals and families. And this leads us to our next point in this series. Love believes all things. Love believes all things. As I was studying this, I was like, Lord, how can I encapsulate this in just to a segment of a message, let alone it could be its own series of messages. Love believes all things. Other translations say love never loses faith or love is completely trusting. We could take this into so many different directions, but this is the direction that I'll take it this morning. The words trust and belief. Trust and belief. Words that can be hard for some to accept and even put into practice today. Depending upon one's upbringing or one's life experiences, trusting and believing may be a very difficult thing for some in here this morning. But it's amazing if you think about it, just how much we really do trust in our society today, right? We trust that our banks are going to take our money and keep our money safe. And as we just discussed here, we trust that um, our financial advisors um, will wisely invest our money and not defraud us. You trust every time, guys, that you go to the barber. You're fully trusting that individual, aren't you? Every time, ladies, you go to the hair salon, you're putting your life into that person's hands. You know, you should all just be like me. Just, just do it yourself. I can't mess up. I just one setting, I just zip it, and it's a lot easier that way. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Think about how much trust that we are all going to put into the restaurant that we go to after service today, right? Just think about it. We're just trusting that that cook has washed their hands after they left the restroom, right? 
How many of you will now just freak out about that now, now before you go to the... <laughs> yeah. Or you're trusting that that waiter or waitress has not had a bad day and they spit in your food as they're bringing it to you. Those are things that kind of come through our mind. Yeah. I'm going to leave paranoid today. Every single one of you right now that is listening to me, you are placing 100% of your trust on that pew that you're sitting in. It's amazing the number of things every day that we put our faith and our trust in. So what or who should we really trust anyways? Now, you all could answer that softball-sized question very easily. You know the answer to that. We should trust only in God, which is true. But how often do we go through life getting all that mixed up? How often do we go through life putting other things in front of the Lord and trusting other things first? Sometimes we place our trust in wealth. Sometimes we place our trust in possessions, political leaders, our jobs, or things that we can do ourselves. Many times we trust mankind above God, but the Bible tells us not to trust in these things. He knows that these things are a part of our life, but they should not be the first thing or first people that we trust with wealth. The Bible says they trust in their wealth and boast of great riches, yet they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom of God. The Bible tells us not to trust in our wealth. We know that it can be here one day and gone the next. But the Bible also tells us, and Pastor Kevin referred about this, referred to this in his prayer, the Bible also tells us not to ultimately trust in our leaders. Look what Psalm says. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth. And all their plans die with them. If you had all been watching the political, political process, or I should say the political circus that's been going on the last several weeks and months, it's amazing the number of people that have put all of their faith and trust in a political leader. Amazing. Just look at the people that are volunteers for the different candidates and in their campaigns and, and uh, their corner. They, they have placed these individuals up on a pedestal not really realizing that in an instant they can be gone, and then what? The Bible tells us that we are not to trust in our own abilities. We need to have confidence in who we are and what we can do. There's, there's that, but not to trust that solely. Ezekiel tells us, when I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity, none of his righteous works shall be remembered. But because of the iniquity that he has committed, he shall die. We know that Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, that through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, lest any man should boast. The Bible tells us that we can ultimately trust in ourselves. And really, the Bible says that we ultimately cannot trust in mankind as well. Jeremiah 17, 5, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. 
If you've experienced new life in Jesus Christ, you know that this God which I speak of, this true love that takes God at His word and takes every promise. Now hear me on this. You know that you can take every promise in God's word and everything that says whosoever, you can put your name there and say, hey, that means me. Everybody can do that. You can place your name there. And because our soul trust needs to be in God and should be in God and can be in God, we can love and we can trust even if we're disappointed at times. We can love and we can trust others even if sometimes we get let down by others because ultimately we will come back to the Lord Jesus Christ and we will trust in Him. You can trust And believe all things because of who your first trust is in. Our God, Jehovah. Love believes all things. Like I said, I could go in so many different directions with that. Two more things that we're going to cover tonight, or this morning. Love. I think I totally bypassed all that. Let's go back to God's name. We can trust in God's name. Psalm 33, 21 says, In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. God tells us in Isaiah 45, 5, that I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me there is no God. The name of the Lord our God is one that can be trusted above all things. I read something this week that just really just blew my mind, and I did some research. The ancient Jewish scribes, whenever they would sit down, and they were like professionals at what they did, they had to be very extremely meticulous in copying uh, like an Old Testament book to a new parchment. And their regulations were incredibly strict. But they revered and they respected and they trusted and they believed in the name Jehovah so much that the scribes, every time the scribe was about ready to write the name Jehovah, just write the name Jehovah, every time they had to stop and they had to take the pen that they were using and the pen had to be washed. The pen had to be purified, had to be cleansed. And then they themselves would have to go take a bath in natural running water. Every time that they just wrote the name Jehovah, they had so much respect, so much trust, so much reverence for that name. We trust in his holy name. And we can, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. And then we can trust in God's word. We can believe in God's word. Psalm 119.89, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Isaiah, shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God stands forever. Amen. 
You want to trust in something? You want to believe in something? Believe in God. Believe in His name. Believe in His word. Believe in the person of God, Jehovah. Amen. Going on to our next point. Love hopes all things. Love hopes all things. If you're following 1 Corinthians 13, that's the next to the last one in verse 7. Or as other translations say, love never ceases to hope. Love is always hopeful. How many of you would say here this morning that if you know Jesus Christ, how many of you would say, just with a hand or an amen, that before you came to Jesus Christ, you were just lost? Just lost. If you were to be honest with yourself, you were lost. And you were a lost cause. But let me remind you, and we can praise the Lord for this, but if there's someone here this morning who has never come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're never too lost that he can't find you. Oh, my Psalms gives us a beautiful picture of this. There's no place that God can't go. The psalmist said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Look, there is no place God's love cannot go. There is no heart that is too wicked that God can't save. There is no life that is too far gone that the love of Jesus can't reach down and pull you up from that deep, miry clay that the Bible tells us about. There is no one that is beyond hope. Because of this, true love should never give up on another soul. Believer, if you have a soul or an individual in your life that you're burdened for, and we all should have those individuals. We should never go through life without having someone on our heart that needs Jesus Christ. Never give up. Never stop praying because God's love can reach them wherever they're at. No matter what they're doing, no matter where they're at, He knows where they're at right now. You may not be able to go there. You may not even be able to know where they are at at this time, but God knows. We just read it. God just told him, just told us, I know where you are, and I know where that individual is that you're praying for. I can reach him too. I can reach him too. All this love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting 
my spirit free, for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful, the matchless grace of Jesus. It's deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountains, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise His name. Praise His name. Because there is no limit to where Jesus' love can go. And there's no limit to what the love of Jesus can do. No person If you take one thing from this message this morning, hear this. No person, no situation is beyond the hope of Jesus Christ. Not beyond. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And finally, love endures all things. Love endures all things. also says that love bears everything with a triumphant fortitude. Love bears everything with a triumphant fortitude. The question that we all must face here this morning is not, how will we handle life if something difficult happens? The question is, how will we handle life when something difficult happens? We've been, we just started digging into this this past Wednesday in our, in our study of James. My mind quickly went to this verse. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. When we go through persecution or when we go through a trial, a time of testing, we have a choice as to how we are going to handle it. Amen? We have a choice as to how we're going to handle it. Will we try and fight it on our own or will we give ourselves to God and go His way? If the love of Christ is leading our hearts and our lives, we will be able to handle life's difficulties in a way that is just described here in James. In essence, we must lose our rights and become a servant of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? I thought in order just to get through this, I just had to grip my teeth and just kind of, kind of find my way. And God, I know you're there, and just you know, God, you'll 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 support me in the way that I'm trying to get through this. And no, look at that first verse, James a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about this Wednesday. The overwhelming majority of scholars believe that the James who wrote this book was the half-brother of Jesus. Now just, talk, just think about that for a while. This is the same Jesus. We talked about this. This is the same, Jesus that grew, or same James that grew up with Jesus. They romped and they played and they did all the boys' games and tried to see who was the strongest and the toughest and who's going to have the upper hand. And at some point in time, James may have been the stronger of the two. I have no idea. But somewhere along the line, it tells us even in the Word of God that his brothers, his family, they were mocking him. They said, look, when Jesus came into his ministry, 
And he started to proclaim that he was the Messiah. His family said, look, uh, don't, don't say this in secret. Let it out in the open. If you are who you say you are, they were taunting him. He said, don't, don't let it be a secret. Let people know who you are. But somewhere along the line, James went from being the brother to the servant. Somewhere along the line, James became convinced that this was no longer just my half-brother or my brother. This is now my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. And that has to be settled first. See, when we become a servant of Jesus Christ, then we can count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I like that. When we emerge victorious, what will be the end result? James just tells us that the end result will be patience. And this is something, group, we're going to dig into more this, past, this coming week. But patience, what I have found, is, is a, uh, a much too passive word for our English language in this instance. The Greek word for patience is hupopone, hupopone. And what that word stands for is someone who is cheerful or hopeful or one who has endurance or one who has perseverance, one who has consistency or constancy. That's a word, constancy. This does not mean someone's ability to just passively bear the trials of life. I love this. It says it describes someone who as they bear and as they endure, their very natures are changed. How is that possible? You cannot change your nature if you just try to go through a difficulty on your own. But when you look to Jesus Christ, when you die to Him, when you become a bondservant of Jesus Christ, He has, and then you allow Him to work through the situation, He has a way of changing your nature through it all. To make you more like Him. To make you more Christ-like. One that should allow us to emerge from God's testings stronger and purer. We should emerge from God's testings with a steadfastness that wasn't there before. We should be stronger on the other side than we were before we entered it. To have this kind of love, to have this kind of relationship with Jesus allows us to still sing and be joyful in the midst of our difficulty because He knows A father's hand will never cause his child a needless tear. Let me say that again. We know that a father's hand will never cause his child a needless tear. We're going to try and do something at this time. Uh, I have a video that I want to show you. And we're just having fits with it, okay? So um, we're going to try and massage this a little bit. And, and Ryan's up there trying to uh, get this to work. So um, it, it, it's, a, uh, it's a video about a guy named Derek Redman. And Derek Redman, is a, uh, he's a retired British athlete. During his career, he held the British record for the 400-meter sprint and won gold medals in the 4 by 400 meters relay at the World Championships, the European Championships, and the Commonwealth Games. But he came to the 1992 Olympics, 
And this gives you just an idea of his story and what he went through. We're going to try and see if this works. Go ahead. to read everything up there. The words were kind of small. But you get the gist of it. As he was going around 150 meters into it, his hamstring pulled and he was done. You probably imagine who that man was, but it was his father that came out to rescue him. It was his father that wanted to help him finish the rest of the race. And his father said, you don't have to do this. He said, yes, I do. And the father said, well, then we're going to finish it together. 
and received a standing ovation of 65,000 people. Look, folks, you and I are running a race too. Like Derek, who was surrounded by thousands of witnesses cheering him on, you and I, don't miss this, you and I are surrounded by thousands of witnesses as well. You don't believe me? You don't have to turn there. I want you to look at this. Hebrews says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, consider him, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Two quick things and then we're done. Hebrews 11, the, the chapter right before that, tells, tells us about all those saints who have gone before us. Tells us about Noah, tells us about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Those who have gone before and have experienced their own trials, their own persecutions, some of them that led to their death, yet they kept the faith. They kept their love for God and they endured until the end. They too are surrounding us, church. They are surrounding you and I. They are cheering us on. But it doesn't only stop with those in the Bible. One time whenever I was going through something very difficult, my brother called me and he, he referred to this passage. He said, Brock, the Bible tells us that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. But he said, Brock, you know that Dad, Ad, and Papap are surrounding you in heaven right now. My Dad, Ad, and, and Papap, both my grandfathers were great men of God. It doesn't just stop with those in the Word of God. Everyone who has gone before us, they are included in that great cloud of witnesses, church. They are praying for you. They are cheering you on. To keep keeping on. To keep walking out obedience to this love that we've been talking about. Secondly, notice verse 2 in the tail end of that. Tells us to look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is like that father in the video. He is running along right beside you and me, encouraging us, cheering us on, telling us, telling you, you can do it. This is it. You want to endure all things, let the love of Christ so fill you so that you'll want to serve Him, you'll want to glorify Him, you'll want to be like Him. And the greatest of these is love.
Would you bow your heads? Mandy, come on up. Joyce, singers. Father God, I come back to that word in James 1. James, a bond servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, if we are going to be ambassadors of the love that you have given us, we've got to die to ourselves. We must become a slave. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It does not boast. All of the things, God, that we have been talking about over the last several weeks, that kind of love we cannot do and we cannot have in and of ourselves. We must have the love of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus Christ make a difference in everything that we say and do. Thank you, God, for this time. We love you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand, please?